understand that was me, but welcome everyone to the UHP podcast. So I think what we'll do is we won't introduce ourselves. Actually, we'll introduce ourselves. 10 seconds, go. Uh, Coach Nathan, um, I'm a rookie. That's about it. <laughs> uh, Coach MJ, yeah, plays basketball, always tag, I don't know. <laughs> I am Coach Alex, uh, less of a rookie than these three, <laughs> which is a low bar. Sucks at long balls. Uh, name's Michael, um, new to all this, but been lifting for a while. I am a rookie, but I do coach this guy, so. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy, I do yeah. feel for you. <laughs> I thought I'd just introduce the topic of, what was the topic I was going to introduce? Um, the PT scene. So PTs have previously been known to be either for people that are really beginners in the gym and like really need to be guided through everything to now sort of, if you want to get good results, you can also get them from a PT. And you, even if you're completely motivated and basically, uh, let's introduce the topic of Maybe we'll start with you. Yeah. Because you got PT even though you were a very good... Oh, Nathan, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Some people aren't um, watching us on video. So our listeners. You got PT even though you were already quite good. You were a PT yourself uh, for boxing, For boxing, right? yeah. Yeah. So why'd you get it? And then we'll go around the room. Uh, I think for me, picking up PT, one, it was like I'd been boxing for a long time. I was like eight years old. Um, so it was m- kind of like a foray into a new field and a new challenge. But what I'd also found is I'd kind of plateaued at where I was at with my boxing. Um, and I thought, you know, I've done as much as I can with my training with my coach at the gym for boxing. Maybe if I dabble elsewhere, I look to like strength training that can kind of improve my boxing. And it did. I think when I started picking up PT with uh, Coach Brad, um, that's when I saw the most improvement, like in a short period of time for my boxing. Uh, and then I kind of quickly just fell in love with it and shifted away from boxing. So I can eat more food. Just eat more food or you actually like? No, I really it? like it. Um, it was, I don't know, I guess I kind of fall into this false pretense that there was a certain way to be healthy and there was like a certain ideal. And I think strength training and what I had to do for strength training when I started taking it a lot more seriously kind of altered my perspective. And I think I've, I've discussed this before, but I really like the accessibility of strength training. Like a lot of people can go into a gym um, and it, it's kind of like for me, I guess going from boxing, which is a very intimidating sport and it tends to be like pretty masculine. Um, strength training was a lot more accessible for people. There's lots of gyms around uh, people to go to. So I don't know. I, I kind of just fell in love with it. So on the topic of why you as a not beginner uh, or the topic as a broad why do you think more people are getting PTs now, even though they're not complete beginners and they have experience in the gym yeah. and they see value from that? I think there's a few different ones. For me, a big part of it's motivation. I think having a coach there is kind of like a, an extra step. It's it's a, a layer of motivation where you've got someone kind of watching over your shoulder. You know, I know when I had off days, I'd message Brad and he'd kind of like motivate me to go to the gym. Uh, it's also an extra layer of accountability. So I guess it's, it's, it's easy to set, for instance, nutrition guidelines for yourself. Uh, but it's hard to keep on them when it's just for yourself. When you've got someone looking over it with you, you're like, oh, well, I don't want to look stupid, I suppose, for want of a better word. So you kind of keep to it better. Yeah. It's also, it's very hard to assess yourself from a 
outside perspective. And I think when it comes to strength training particularly, it's really necessary to kind of see what you can't see, how your form looks from the side, you know, other angles, and pick up one of those little things that are very hard to notice on your own. And I think that's where PT really comes in handy. So even if you're not a novice, you're pretty experienced in the gym, I think anybody can kind of get a PT and they'll notice an extra layer of, of advice and help that can really take them to the next step. I think it's a big and, and I think even on the level of, you know, setting your nutrition, setting your workouts, like I trained myself for years and there's always that level of ego, that level of bias towards what you like, what you don't like. You're not going to really take that step back and do what you need unless you've hit that certain level of maturity in the gym. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think for me, um, that maturity comes from having a coach. I think someone, you know, someone might need a coach that encourages you to push a bit harder. Others might need a coach that kind of pull you back, um, you know, if you go to him and things like that. And just having someone there a second opinion um alex <laughs> yes that was directed at <laughs> me no no no, no. Um, having someone there um i think it's more of a um it helps the lifter or the athlete uh come to a realization that they're like okay i should be you know here with my training consistency and things like that um and yeah that's what my coach did for me um you know before i started with um with the coach i you know, was program hopping all the time, um, and you don't realize, you know, what you're doing. I wouldn't want to say wrong because there's not so much right or wrong. Everything's kind of a gray area, but you don't realize what's ideal, I suppose, until you have someone show you an alternative. You try out the alternatives, and you're like, oh, okay, you know, this this way is much more. Uh, it's, it's a lot better, uh, much more efficient. I'm feeling healthy. I'm making, you know, sustainable progress and things like that. So I think having a coach just helps with the realization and maturity of of a lifter. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It gives you that extra perspective, if nothing else. Yes, sir. You know, even a terrible coach, they're still going to challenge you to look at things differently. <laughs> even a terrible what? Even a terrible coach is going to help you to look at things differently. Yeah, that's true. It may not be the right <laughs> way, but it'll force you to defend your viewpoints. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find myself... Force I'm you to defend your viewpoints. That's a good one, hey? I do I've never heard my like coach that. quite a bit. Because um, at the end of the day, no one knows... Like, I guess after a while, no one knows your training, no one knows your body better than you do yourself. Um, and what I find myself doing with my coach is, um, you know, we work quite collaboratively. Um, I don't just follow instructions. It's, um, it's very much a two-way street, you know, giving feedback. Um, and that's really how you get the most out of coaching. Um, you tell them what works, you know, maybe they make the final call and things like that. But, but yeah, what's up? I think that's like, the difference between like a coach and a really good PT, right, is that a, a coach will kind of tell you what they think is right, whereas a good PT or a good coach will actually take on board what your comfort level is, what, what you're at, where your head's at, what you prefer doing, and kind of find that middle ground where you're training efficiently for what you want to do as well. And mm -hmm. I think if you get a coach who kind of forces you to do things you don't want, it's very easy to lose motivation. 100%, yeah. Um, Whereas if you get a coach which you can communicate with and discuss things with and kind of find that common viewpoint and understanding with each other, I think that's like the best type of yeah, PT definitely. there is. And that's not to say you shouldn't do things you don't want to do. No. You yeah. know, the coach can help you understand why you need to do things like legs. Yeah. <laughs> Some days we like Boulder shoulders Some over Some days here. we don't. I don't know what you're talking about, dude. And there's MJ. <laughs> MJ with the massive pump. <laughs> the leg pump Pump yeah. all the time Chest pump <laughs> Yeah Work a different muscle Get that same pump All three legs <laughs> <laughs> All three legs <laughs> Yeah uh, well, You got a bit of a different perspective When you came on As a PT with Brad 
Because you came straight into the game, right? Did you have a coach before? No, nothing. So, did you train before? I, I was training before, but like, I didn't, never had like a set program or anything. So I used to just go to the gym, just pump out the weights like any other gen pop person. Look good, try to look good, look big, yeah. yeah. But then, yeah, so I came in here. I think it was perfect timing. Like, I wanted a new beginning, everything. Um, started PT, started a new program. Just learned on the way, on the go kind of thing. Nothing much from it. Yeah, and I think that the you know uh, where a lot of the value comes from is that individualization that you get from working with um, someone one on one compared to I guess the regular um, programs you'd find online mm. that's been you know kind of made for the masses. Yeah, it'll work for some people, might not work for others, things like that. Um, so yeah, I think the discussion I have with a lot of my clients is like a lot of the things you find online with the big diets programs they'll work to an extent for sure. They're designed to work to an extent, but <coughs> a big part of it's sustainability. So like when it comes to diets especially, you know, there's a lot of fad diets that you can follow and they'll work for sure for a period of time. Uh, one, because you're being really on top of what you're eating, which is instantly going to make an impact. Um, two, they're shocked to the body, but eventually they're unsustainable. So I think like there's a lot of like kind of cookie cutter things you can find online and programs you can find online, but until you get kind of that, you kind of see the difference of what an individualized program looks like compared to just something you can get online. You won't really realize the full impact. Of, of what you're missing out on. And people buy into them because now that they're taking, you know, they're thinking about what they're eating. It's more than they were doing before. It yeah. is healthier than they were doing before. But they seem to think that that's everything. Yeah, exactly right. When it could always be better. Yeah. What's our next question? <laughs> next question is, so we talked through everyone's different. Oh, did you, you didn't run through yours yet. Yeah, you got to run. Yeah, that's the question. <laughs> What's the question? <laughs> um, so, what did you find was different to? Sort of what did you find was different to coaching? Uh, did you train by yourself before, and why is it not just for people that are either really novice in the gym or just need the motivation? Why is it no longer thought of that way solely? Of course, it's going to still help those people, but. I think it's no longer thought of, you know, fat people or super fit people because coaches have gotten better. Coaches have gotten better and they're able to reach the general population and bring benefit to them. You know, it's not to say that everybody needs a coach forever, but having someone there guide you, show you how to move your body and gain better control of it, you know, in a direction that you want to take it, I think everyone can benefit from that, regardless of your health goals. I trained myself for probably four years I jumped on a few programs. I did one squat program, squatting four times a week, seeing a physio twice a week. <laughs> Classic. That was horrible. But then, yeah, started up with an online coach and then made my way over to UHP. Currently getting trained by Michael, much to his enjoyment. How are you, how are you finding it? <laughs> I mean, he is sitting next to me, so we can't be that bad. <laughs> no, honestly. <laughs> No, actually, like, that's probably a good question because you've recently changed PTs. How's that transitionary process? And, like, have you noticed a difference between the way two different PTs are? Absolutely. You know, Luke is a great PT. He knows what he's talking about. But our personalities clash. So it was a lot more headbutting than charging forward. Mm -hmm. At least Michael knows. Let me have my rants. 
<laughs> and then he sort of re steers me in the right direction. Yeah, see, I couldn't train Alex. I'm a terrible this guy. <laughs> this is my one client who complains the most. <laughs> I'm a nightmare of a client. Really? 100% I can back that. He's probably, he's probably the one client that complains the most. I test him. I challenge him to be better. What does he complain about? <laughs> I don't know. He, he'll, he'll make, he'll make move, uh, weight move like, like a warm-up, right? Like let's say it's like he's power squatting 160 um, and it's flying up like Brag an empty bar, but then... You'll see his face during the lift. He's like, oh, fuck. oh no, no, no. <laughs> and he'll die on the floor later on. And I'm just like, what's going on, dude? Um, I like, just oh, said five. That, that's like an RPE four, RPE five. He's like, nah, man, that was like an eight. That was like a, this hurts, that's hurt. I'm like, it looks good. Everything looks good, moves well. Um, and I think this is like individual differences, right? Um, yeah. And as a coach, I think you just got to realize um, how to communicate to the lifter and things like that. Because, um, you know, the way you write something in a program might, like let's say you have two programs and they look the same, but you have two different lifters. They might interpret that differently, and that's where communication is really important. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, Michael learnt let me soak and then push me forward anyway, yeah. because I will do it. I'll just bitch and complain the whole time. Yeah. So I kind of just push his bitch into the side. <laughs> <laughs> like he gets the job done, right? Well, that's what a good coach is, though. You know, they learn. Okay, this is your personality. How can I work mm-hmm. around that, and sort of in spite of that, get your results. I think a good part of PTing is understanding what works best for each client. I know, like, mm. I operate very differently with each one of my clients. Someone like Hannah, I think Hannah and I don't shut up. And it's a lot of mucking around, but that's when she operates at her best, when she's actually enjoying it. I know, like, when she first started, she, she was pretty uncomfortable with the gym. And so kind of, like, making it a place where she was really comfortable, yeah. laughing and enjoying it was, like, a big deal for her. And now it's, like, that's a happy place. She makes time to come to the gym because she enjoys coming to the gym. That worked really well for her. I know other clients, you yeah, to be, like, a lot more serious with because they're there to train and that's what their focus is on. So I think understanding like how each person operates differently. Even myself, like I know I have to have fun while I'm lifting. Otherwise I have an awful time, which probably why I failed my squats. <laughs> <laughs> but like if nah, I'm not enjoying my, Yeah, if I'm not enjoying myself, this is like some queens of pop. Like I'm not lifting that weight. <laughs> like I need to be in the right place. So. Yeah, yeah, Hannah sounds a lot me. like Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> Her program I, I is think I remember meeting no Hannah dates. for the first time. She was really shy. Yeah. Um, now she's, you know, she's really comfortable. Yeah, now she doesn't shut up. Always dancing. <laughs> and attorney she dancing in the gym, huh? Now, like, she answered a phone call during the, the session. They were like, what are you doing? She goes, wait. Like, I was like, no. wait. <laughs> she's too comfortable now. I got to reel her back. Shut up, coach. Legit. <laughs> <laughs> There's a video of her kicking me in the head. Like, during, like I'm spotting her bench. She kicks me in the head. I don't know. She's got a leg there. But uh, kick me right in the head. And I was like, hey, <laughs> it was brilliant. If anything, it might have fixed something. <laughs> <laughs> On to how do you guys, talking about butting heads as sort of coach client. And I know everyone has sort of a slightly different approach. In the end, everyone's always trying to achieve the end goal of getting the result for the client. But everyone has a different approach, I'd say, in getting there. So... Yeah, how do you internally not butt heads or do you butt heads and how do you accept other people's viewpoints? Do you take it on? Do you just say, nah, 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 my way's the best? Like, what's your... We'll start with MJ. You're a good listener, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you can <coughs> take it away. Um, for me, so if Brad's training me and I'm the client, I'm just open to everything. Like, if you have something to say, just tell me and I'll, I'll do it. I don't know if you guys have seen me train, but like, I don't really talk as much when I train. I'm like, I'm like full into it. Like, if you talk to me, I'm gonna be like, I'll give you like five words. And yeah, did I train? I was like, this guy is not. Yeah, happy. I don't speak. So, so Harry trained me on um, Friday as well. 
<laughs> he was like the perfect matchup. <laughs> you know, me and Harry go back and forth in like the gym, right? When I'm training clients and everything. But then he trained me on um, Friday and then I was just like dead serious. Like yeah. I'm getting this weight up and everything. Um, he was like, yeah, well, who are you? Like, I'm scared. I'm scared. <laughs> this isn't even MJ anymore. Oh, yeah. But yeah, as a client, um, I like to think about what my coach will tell me. Um, I'm always open to new things, try new things. And if it works, then applying that new thing to my training. Um, I think of it as a learning curve as well. So if, if there's a reason that the coach is training and changing things for you, then there's maybe a reason that you can change for your clients as well. So obviously like new cues come in. If you see that for your clients, apply that to your clients as well. Just like following up with other cues as well. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, look around the room. We're all very different people. Everyone's got different approaches that work for them, different personalities. Mm. Why should every client be treated the same? Yeah. You know, it's very easy to make a program, but then the important part is getting the feedback from them and changing it to meet their, meet, meet their needs. Yeah. So Especially as you go through the block. Nathan likes to be happy, MJ likes to be serious, and Alex likes to bitch. So. <laughs> <laughs> Simple terms. <laughs> simply yeah well like you get it michael you oh, listen to, like, I, 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 i'm like all three of you combined i think yeah. um i lift really well when i'm happy but i don't know if it's because i'm happy that i'm lifting well or because i'm lifting well i get happy you're an emotional mm, lifter I, yeah Hard to, i don't know i am yeah. i don't know yeah, I, I heard you early on that ssb fuck yeah squats <laughs> <laughs> was like the sixth nah. rep, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think that was just um big improvement from last week so i think i got 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 happy because of that um but there are times where i'm more like you as well um mm. headphones in um train a bit more seriously but i don't think i take training too too seriously all the time um like, like to have fun with it mm. i think serious can be fun too yeah definitely. you know especially like weekends i like to go out to random gyms on my own bump in the headphones mm. and just have a bit of a play yeah, serious doesn't mean, oh, sorry, like even though you're having fun, doesn't mean the intent can't be yeah. there on your, you know, your heavy sets or whatever. It can just be like a fun, intense sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. In yeah, terms of like butting heads with clients, I came back to that point. I uh, suppose yeah. like. Butting heads with trainers? Oh, uh, like client trainer butting heads. No, no, like trainer like and coach. trainer butting heads. Like, like say agree? if you're like. Disagreeing? Yeah. We've seen it in some team well, meetings. Like we've seen, I was going to say, we've seen it in team meetings, right? There's, <laughs> I, I, and I, I actually like, I always bring it back to, I guess for me, it's like I always bring it back to boxing. There's a, there's a wrong way to box and there's a wrong way to box. But there's not one right way to box. And I think when it comes to lifting, there's a wrong way to lift where you're going to hurt yourself. But I don't think there's inherently one cookie cutter way that's right. And I think mm-hmm. you, all you got to do is talk to each coach and they'll be like, nah, do it like this, do it like this, do it like this. And none of them are wrong. I know um, it's just kind of like, and I know like my coach, Brad, he's very much, there is a right way to lift. <laughs> like, don't be stupid. There's one right way to lift and you're doing it wrong and we'll work on it. Whereas other people like be like, well, it's probably a reason why you're doing it wrong. Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel like you're lifting effectively? Maybe that's right for you. Um, I had Brad and I had like a 30, surprise, surprise. Brad and I had a 30 minute conversation about this, about like lifting inefficiencies and are they inherently wrong? Is there a right way to lift? And he, he said, there is a right way to lift uh, unless there's a, like a pretty damn good reason why you're lifting wrong. Um, and then you hear someone like Luke. He's like, no, nah, you can lift like that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I know, Michael, you you kind of pedal that. I, I agree with um, probably Luke a bit yeah. more. Um, yeah. <laughs> a bit more of the same uh, when it comes to mindset, things like this. Um, like what is good technique or what is correct technique there? Like there 
there really isn't, I don't think. Um, like, you can see elite-level lifters or athletes move certain ways. Like, elite lift, elite athletes will have, you know, elite compensations and things like that. Is it inherently, you know, good or bad? Like, who are we to say, you know, they're performing at such a high level, you know, compared to everyone else and they're doing a certain, certain, certain thing? Um, it's just what's developed for them, what's worked for them over, you know, 5, 10, 15 years. Um, so it's like, you know, if we... If we, if we look at someone lift, um, like an elite level lifter, and we're like, oh, that doesn't look textbook, right? It's like, what is textbook? Textbook is just, it's all it's all on a bell curve, right? Um, everyone will move kind of differently. And it, you know, honestly, it might do more harm for us to kind of go to the elite level lifter and try to change things up. It might do more harm because we're undoing, you know, 10, 10 years of work or whatever. Um, you know, they, they move the way they do because... Yeah, that's how they trained, and they become so successful at it. It's like, you know, yeah, who are we to say? Um, most of the time, I find the body just wants to move in whatever way is the most well. The body's pretty strong, strong and comfortable. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's like you. I think you told me you were like, for instance, when it comes to squatting. Once once they've started, you're kind of like the body knows how to squat. Yeah, the body I mean, will squat in the best way it can. Yeah. At the um, end of the day, if it works, it works. Yeah, that's one thing. I I, I don't particularly cue. Yeah, I've noticed you don't so much. Me, I don't. I don't cue them at all. Um, I just make sure I put them in the right positions. Um, and when like the setup is good, um, you know, you have like a couple things checked off. Most of the time, you know, solid bracing, um, managing your center of mass. Once they know how to do all that things, just tell them to squat, and they squat. Like babies know how to squat. Mechanically, really, the body yeah, will do it. Yeah, be like, oh, bend the knees. Like, yeah, no shit, right? Like, come on. Um, yeah, you set them up correctly, set them up in a good position, and just you just execute the lift. Mm. It's kind of that simple. That, that's how I approach it, at least. Um, the reason I don't use cues um, so much is because I don't want the lifter to think too much during the lift. Um, like you might you might cue them, um, I guess, when they're starting out, maybe. Um, I find that during warm-ups, you can cue them a bit more. Um, let's say, you know, you're warming up with an empty bar. They can probably run through three or four cues in their head. Um, 70 kilos on the bar, maybe three. Um, as you get to your last warm-up, I probably want to think about one thing tops. Yeah, man, I'm not um, thinking when I'm squatting. Yeah, and you, you, when you're lifting heavy, it's just like, just focus on, you know. Um, Getting it back up. Like, yeah, just focus <laughs> on intent, effort, and, you know, output. That's yeah. right. One yeah. or two cues at the start, like before you start lifting, yeah. seems to work the best for most people. Yeah, and that that's um, one thing as well, I think, in, in warm-ups, um, things like that. I like to use, you know, movement drills. Um, not so much, like, activation or mobility and things like that, but movement drills. Um, it's like, okay, we want to get a squat squatty. What, what, what exercise can we use to, to prime their body, right? It's about teaching kind of their, their nervous system, what to do, how to move, how to organize their body. So movement drills before they lift. Um, and by the time they get under the bar, they start, you know, warming up to their top set or whatever. It's kind of already, it's kind of already primed. Yeah. And they move a lot better. Bringing it back to coaches having different opinions, just because <laughs> <laughs> All right. we're not good at staying on topic. Michael. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, what? Damn, bro. Not the That's your coach guys. right there, man. <laughs> <laughs> no sets of 20, please. <laughs> you no. sets of 20? What? No. He just <laughs> likes to threaten it. Nah. <laughs> threaten it. Nah. You'll see a scene. Yeah, no, what, what was your question? Yeah, no. Uh, what do you think, MJ, about coaches having different opinions? <laughs> <laughs> we started with MJ. I want to go back to MJ. Yeah. <laughs> well, different opinions. Honestly, if you have an opinion on something, then tell your client or like tell the uh, other coach as well. Like, let's say you know, you've seen me train. 
whoever it is, mm. and you don't like the way I'm doing something, yeah, how would you approach that? I'll take your client. <laughs> Wait, no, he's not talking trainer to client. He's talking trainer Tra- to trainer. Tra- trainer? That, that's yeah, where the so, question so, so started. If you and yeah. him disagree on something, right? I'd just be like, is my client doing it? And are they are they doing it optimally? Like, there's no right what, like right way, as Michael was saying before. Like, not everything's set to stone. Like, everyone has their own ways. The body moves differently for every single person. So, um, I actually have a client that can't really like squat depth properly because his hip joint actually won't let him. But he will still feel it in his legs. So I'm like, there's no point of you to try squat lower if you can still feel it in your quads and your hammies. Yeah, exactly right. So if you can still feel that, then yeah. And then any discussion that comes up between the trainers, it yeah, just, just ends like, up helping everyone. Just, yeah. Well, I think we're, we're pretty lucky because we're in a pretty good environment where like, so I know if I have a question or an opinion, I can bring it up to the coaches and we like discuss it. I know like recently, I think it was women and um, Luke and I had a discussion. I remember we had a discussion as well about how your elbows sit in the squat because Luke was complaining at like a, a pain. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. And it was just like all three of us had like a viewpoint. We just like discussed it. We were like, "Hey, that's a really good point." Yeah, no harm in trying things out. Yeah, and I think that's good. Like, and that's something I enjoy about being in a place that's full of multiple different coaches who are kind of allowed to run with their ideas. Yeah. Is it allows us to discuss and kind of expand our horizons too? And like, I'm a rookie, I suppose, when it comes to lifting compared to someone like Michael. Um, so hearing an opinion from someone who's done it a lot longer for me is really valuable. It's like, well, I do it like this. Brad doesn't do it like this. And Michael does it like this. It's kind of like I try them and I go away and I try it myself. Yeah. And I kind of see how it feels. Trying. Yeah. Just try what works. And if it works, then mm-hmm. stick with it. So what if we reverse the question to you then, Alex? Because <laughs> Is that what you were fishing for, you, Alex? Did you want us to bring it No, he's to fishing you? for more. You want us to headbutt or something? Yeah. He wants us to fight. He's got a riot. <laughs> Let's say someone's doing something like wrong. Inherently wrong. Inherently wrong. Yeah, they're hurting themselves. And they're actually like, their client's complaining back pain every week and then the coach isn't fixing anything. They're just like letting him reef that bar. Like, I don't know, they're not taking slack out or whatever it is. They're just reefing it. And every day they go home, like, <laughs> or they take a week off. Like, what would you what would you do to that coach? Or say, not do. <laughs> <laughs> what would I do to that coach? You'd do shit out of <laughs> I would crack jokes. No, I just ask him and say, hey man, like I saw the way your client's lifting. I just wanted to sort of ask you why they're doing it that way. I don't think I've seen that before. You know, everyone sort of knows not to come off as hostile because yeah. that's just going to start drama and make everyone defensive. And then let's say it was Nathan, you know. Couldn't like, be me, but yeah, go on. Couldn't be you, <laughs> go on. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the way your client's deadlifting. I'll sort of mention it to you. Oh yeah, it's different. I don't like your head, bro. <laughs> I can't change it I've tried No no go on I'm sorry too go expensive on. I'm sorry <laughs> Yeah but it's like It's not coming off hostile Exactly hostile. right And then what Worst case You <laughs> say yeah Thanks for that No worries I see they're still Disgustingly formed You know I might mention it to Someone else Brad Luke Dan End of the day Everyone just wants to help each other though Yeah and I think as a PT It's important to not be that much of an egotist to not take on other people's opinions, well, especially when they know what they're talking about. Especially in this environment where there's no real risk of people stealing yeah. your clients. Everyone literally just wants to help. Yeah. Mm. What would you do, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Um, everyone is well-intentioned. I think most people are well-intentioned in the, 
in this industry they want to help people obviously there are different methods and things like that but um but yeah like there's no right or wrong i guess um i think it's at the end of the day also up to the client whoever they feel the best with they'll kind of gravitate to um so yeah fair enough so how do you overcome the barrier of like let's say you're telling a client to do something a certain way let's say you've been doing it for like a year two years and then you end up finding out or realizing that ooh, okay maybe it's actually better to do it this way now that i'm sort of thinking about it more and i've done it myself maybe how do you do you guys take that on well and would you change even though in reality the ego is like it's like oh yeah your client knows you used to tell me to do it a different way now you're changing it so was last time wrong or is it just not a different way of doing it i think you just have to own that and be transparent right so like you just have to say i've done a bit of research i've been doing some stuff on my own i want us to kind of try to work in a different way than we've been doing i might have found a better found a better way yeah i think it's important to just own it because first of all how embarrassing if you would be like let's do this and not own it <laughs> and your client's just like what an idiot <laughs> like what a dickhead you know what i mean just like wear it sooner or later it'll come out and the client will respect you more if you're there trying to improve showing them you're trying yeah. to learn more yeah, I mean, it would take a pretty, like, and I guess it depends on perspective, but it would take a pretty strange client to be like, look at this guy, what a prick. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I, I think most clients would look at that and say, hey, we're trying to make it better. And he's spending the time to make it better. Or he or she spend the time to make it better for me and work to improve my lift. And I think when it comes to applying a change in lift, it's like, do it gradually. You're not going to change the whole form at once. Yeah, that's, that's a big thing. Um, yeah. Like, you know, let's say you learn something new. Um, you implement into your training it's it's probably not going to look like a big drastic change right it's yeah. like most of the time you take away like a principle from from a new technique it's like what is this technique trying to achieve and you implement that into your uh your training but it's it's always small changes small changes you would never just go from like um like let's say feet under your hips squat and wires to like you know like two times your hip width. Like you wouldn't just jump there yeah like that's just stupid exactly like i i recently started training with Alyssa. Um, and she had a big issue with hitting squat depth. And so we just kind of, been, I think it was like, it took three weeks of us like doing squats together. We've slowly just like widened her stance, got a bit more of a hinge at a starting position. And now she's like, I think it was Luke mentioned it to her. She's squatting the best depth she has. And it wasn't even so much like I'd done. It's just like, I kind of gave her that freedom to let's find what works best for you. And we'll do it bit by bit. So one week went a little bit wider. Next week went a little bit wider. Next week went a little bit wider. Slide the hinge at the start of the bar path. which is a bit better for her. And now she's squatting really well and she feels good doing it. Yeah. But once I was like, hey, let's, <laughs> let's make this way wider and let's hinge and let's do it all different. So that'd just be too much for a person to change at once, I think. Well, I think yeah. that goes back to why everyone shouldn't be moving the same way. Mm. You know, you look at someone like <laughs> Alyssa <laughs> compared to MJ. <laughs> it just keeps coming back to this question. <laughs> no, but I think going no, back, well, back to Dan's question. No, but like, what about when trainers <laughs> butt heads? <laughs> Okay, listen to MJ. Yeah, I wanted to hear this one. <laughs> <laughs> listen to MJ. I'm like, all right. No, I was comparing you. Yeah. Like, you're built completely different, right? I don't know what Alyssa looks like. Okay. No, you're, built, you're built pretty She's different. She's taller than you. Yeah, you're built pretty different. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. What? Did you say Alyssa and MJ are different? Yeah. <laughs> are they not? Yeah. I feel yeah, like you're a little I, different. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to move differently, right? You know, joint ratios, all that sort of stuff. Just movement biases, they're all going to come into account. 
So by that, why should anyone be moving the exact same as the person next to them? Look, in a perfect world where there's no variables, I'm sure there is an efficient, perfect way to lift. But that's not the world we live in. So mm-hmm. I think it's silly to assume there is a perfect way to lift. Mm. But and I think with Dan's question, it's like, you know, trying things out. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to ask ourselves, um, do we need to? Um, you know, is there a limiting factor in, in a particular lift, right? If, you know, if what they were doing before kind of stalled, plateaued, um, you know, they're finding themselves running into a wall, then it's like, okay, maybe we can try something else out. But, you know, if the client's doing, you know, doing fine, progressing really well, uh, week to week, month to month, um, you got to ask yourself, like, do I really need to reinvent the wheel? Like, yeah, maybe, you know, us as coaches, we want results for our clients. The clients want results for themselves. Um, we, you know, we might tend to get greedy. Right? We might want to, like, oh, let's see if we can try this um, to get, you know, let's say, you know, seven kilo jumps instead of five kilo jumps. Like, try to be a bit greedy. But I think it's also important to be, like, to ask ourselves, um, you know, if we go this route, is it sustainable? Because I would take sustainability, sustainable progress over, you know, like um, small spikes in performance kind of any day. Mm. Yeah. Well, that sparked a... Oh, does it go like really loud when I do that? No, it just makes a funny noise. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <that's>, <laughs> How do you remember which buttons yeah, are yeah, yeah, So yeah. that's the That's the intro music. That's the laugh. The intro music. Welcome back, everybody, <laughs> to the HP Podcast. <laughs> Time for an ad break. <laughs> Manscaped. <laughs> Dude, I swear no one else gets ads for that, just me. Like, like when I talk about it, my girlfriend's like, what? <laughs> bro, they know my chest is hairy. Though, like. <laughs> not, not just your chest, bro, but yeah. Yeah, anyway, back to you, Dan. <laughs> so when do you find, like, that was a good, good point. When would you find that you would actually go out and try something different like say for example one coach has been saying do this do this do this like nah nah this is working for this person what if that ends up not continuing to work for that person is that when the sort of um realm of okay let's try something happens or do you keep beating at that wall and nah it'll work it'll work it'll work like i guess for yeah you guys i guess michael sparked the question so he probably think about why a change would need to occur and when you would actually make that change. If you continue to progress, you just keep going how you're going. What if they're stalled for like six months? Is that when there's that opening for change or reinventing the wheel? I think it depends a lot. You know, most of these questions, it depends. If you look at someone and you can see straight away that, yes, they are, maybe they're squatting really good weight but maybe they're not really bracing or they're doing something that's just really objectively strange, then yes, while it might be working for them, there is something you can improve on it. And why wouldn't you just try that? Let's see how it goes. You know, especially if you get a new client, they're not used to your ways, you're not used to theirs, but making real subtle tweaks just to sort of see if you can improve the feel of things. And then over time, you start to understand the major weaknesses is what I've found anyway. I suppose another thing to consider is, especially in strength training, progression's not linear. Like you're not going to see week on week on week on week progression. Eventually you're going to hit a, a sticking point and a plateau. I remember like when I first started training with Brad, every week I was like, 10 kilo PB, it's nothing. And 20 kilo PB, yeah, what else? 
I remember Brad like increased his bench by like 2.5 kilos and lost his mind. He was like, this is the best day ever. <laughs> I was like, what a loser. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Um, but it's because he'd spent so long at that sticking point. I know like even like breaking the 140 barrier for him, he'd been trying it for ages and couldn't break the 140 barrier for his bench. And eventually it hit. So I, I don't think hitting an inherent sticking point for a little bit of time is reason enough to completely change what you're doing. Yeah, but six months. Six months, yeah. So when it starts going for a real long time, and then you're like, okay, let's assess why. And I think it's like important to assess why and not just be like, everything's wrong. It's like, it might be a small thing. It might like, say it's on bench. It's like, when I like put my feet more in front of me, get more leg drive. When I move from this, this wide stance I've got in my, in my squat, just little, little tweaks and kind of assessing, did that make a change? Yes or no? Scratch it off. And I think that's something that should be done, you know, weekly. Every time yeah. you've seen them do something, oh yeah, I think this might work a bit better. And just trying out new things, see what works. Yeah. But I suppose like what I was saying is like, don't be scared that you've hit somewhat of a sticking point for a little bit. Push through for a bit and you might see eventually you'll breach that wall. Uh, otherwise, then it might be time to consider. Even It might not be something to change with your training, it might be something to change with your diet. Like there's a lot of variables that you can change to see improvement. But yeah, don't be scared of a failure. Don't be scared of a stalling point. It could even be a mental block. Yeah. Like I know with myself, I got to a, um, a 185 squat and the jump from nat to 200 <laughs> was ridiculously quick. I think it happened over the course of like a month. And just because I'd gotten over the fear factor, which I know really affects a lot of people. Yeah, that gets to me too. Sometimes it's, it's weird because, you know, we train to progress. <laughs> and that's kind of what we want at the end of the day is progress. But um, sometimes I don't know if I find myself getting scared of progressing. Like, oh, this is too heavy. But it's like, no, you can do it. You trained for it, right? Like... I think I was watching a video today on like getting comfortable with heavier weight and like how you can do it. And I like, I, I failed my 140 squat last week, which is like equal PB for me. Um, and I knew half of the reason was I unracked that and I was shitting bricks. I was like, ah, this sucks. And like, I got to the bottom and I just kept going. And I was like, man, thank God Carpo's behind me because he's going <laughs> to grab this in a second, <laughs> which he didn't for a hot second, but then he did. But um, just training like your, your central nervous system and like getting comfortable with weight. So like for squats, it was like, Practice walking out heavier weights, just so your body's used to it. Pin squats were another good one, like starting from the bottom. A discussion on like, because it's the easier part of the movement. Like you're not going, like the scary, I shouldn't say easier. The hardest part of the squat, in my opinion, and the scariest part of the squat is going down, right? Cause you're like, oh God, I'm just gonna keep going down. I gotta get this back up, right? That's all that's going through my head. As I go down, as I get lower, I'm like, this has to go back up this far. And I'm kind of scared. When you start from the bottom, you're on the way up. It's a lot more calming, in my opinion. So just like, <laughs> no, like, you know what I mean? Like you go down with a squat, you're like, oh shit. So you, I <laughs> like, think there's a difference though. There's two types of people with squats. There's a type of people like that. They're like, oh shit, I don't want to die. And they get scared to the Me? people that are like, oh shit, I better not die. I better do this. And they bring that extra focus on. I can respect that. Yeah. I can respect that. But you know, <laughs> I think it's something that can be taught because it's something that I've learned. Mm. You know, it's it just takes time like anything. Mm. What about you, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so quiet. You forget he's here. I want some contributors. Nah, look, I'm a listener. MJ that's why I listen to everything. Oh, yeah. Look, I'm just listening. Yeah, he's absorbing. This yeah, thing. I'm absorbing every MJ single conversation. The bro. <laughs> look, man, you can listen on Spotify. Uh, yeah, I can. I can. Um, let me think. I have failed before. Yeah, I think it is also like a mental thing that you guys were saying. Um, one thing that really helps me a lot is um, keeping myself cool, like collected before I squat. 
Um, I don't know if you guys know in basketball, but like there's a there's a free throw, right? <coughs> when you take a free throw, you have two free throw, uh, two free shots. And easiest like, shot in the game, right? It's supposed to be easiest <laughs> shot in the game, right? Exactly. But like, if you have all this pressure coming at you, like everyone's watching, the hoop's not that far, but it's probably like pretty far to some people. But like, if you're not collected with yourself, you're not going to be able to hit that shot properly. So like, every time I feel like I squat, I deadlift, or like I take that bench. Like I'm at that free throw line again. Keep myself like cool, calm, collected. Even though like feel like jade up, right? Jade up, ready to score, whatever. Everyone's che- like, playing. Yeah, yeah. everyone's <laughs> cheering you on and shit. I feel like um, if you're not collected at that point, then you're not gonna hit it for anything. Sure, it's a. I agree with that completely. Yeah. Do you feel like so? Like last week when I was doing my squats, I kind of was in the headspace where I was like, I'm gonna fail this. So yeah, I suppose so my if you question, have that thought, it's already tennis. Yeah, my so. question I was is, telling you that. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this guy comes behind me to spot me for like my one thirty. Like, you're gonna fail. You're gonna <laughs> fail. No, no, yeah, he gets your arm and he goes, "Hey, you better get this up because I cannot catch this." <laughs> like, as we're about to start, I was like, "Well, great." And he got it. He got it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I need depth. Like, if I go down, he's coming down with me. But like, I suppose my question is, okay, if you're in that headspace or your clients in that headspace, do you still make them go ahead with a lift or do you just call it there? I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I kind of regret doing it because then after I failed it once, I was even worse. My headspace I was like, yeah, well, you did fail it, you dickhead. <laughs> um, so I suppose looking back, I, I kind of wish I acknowledged where I was at with my headspace and be like, yeah, not today. Yeah, that's where auto-regulation comes in really important. Yeah. I'm seeing, seeing yeah, kind of how you feel in the day and things like that. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, um, like you got to believe you have it before you even do it. Um, oh, I had a point with this. <laughs> um yeah oh i i was like i was actually gonna ask you guys do you guys fail in training a lot because um i don't sound like a dick but i don't (laughs) um i find it very important um it's not just like oh you 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 obviously push yourself right you can push yourself without failing um but i find it very important to not fail a lot in training or not fail at all um and that's just coming from like building i guess habits you want to build successes Right, you don't want to get used to failing. Yeah, right? you don't. You hit all your hit all your lifts on the day. So when you're on the platform or whatever, you hit all your lifts as well. Yeah. Um, and you're only truly failing if it's like a max, max, max attempt. Mm-hmm. Right, like you shouldn't really be failing in a lift. It's like in in the gym. It's gonna be it's you know fatiguing. It's detrimental to your progress. Your your next workout's probably gonna suck. Um, all these things. I, it's for me. It's always you know if I'm having a shit day, regulate down a little bit and. Um, you know, see how the next session feels and keep building momentum successes on top of one another. One another. Yeah. Um, I only used to probably fail a lot back when I was like you know, 16, 17 years old in the gym, you know, trying to max out every every week and things like that. Um, looking back, yeah, it was fun, um, but probably not the smartest thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I've you got to think, think the whole session is not just that one lift. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all the other work you do as well. Right. I've been failing a bit recently. Uh, one, external factors it's like some stuff going on and like my headspace hasn't been too right for lifting um two <clears throat> new program i got comp coming up pretty big numbers eh? i remember looking at the program i was like jesus brad and he's like yeah comp prep you wanted ah. these numbers and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> see this is where i'm gonna butt head with brad <laughs> yeah and like he's pushing me to the numbers that i picked so it's not something I'm like well brad you push me too hard like why are you doing this i didn't want this it's like i wanted this well that's the thing and that's um, the work that it takes like, you want to it's it's hard to say Ooh. because you want to um 
you, you can't just take what you want. You got to take what's there. I think because otherwise it'd be like, oh yeah, I want the record. I want this. I want that. I want yeah. to be world champion. Um, give me like, you know, like what's the... I think there's healthy failure. Yeah. Like what's your mindset after you fail? I think this. So I think there's healthy failure. I think there's failure that occurs when it's like, you're reaching too far, right? It's like you get a new client. It's like, hey, let's hit a 130 dead. It's like, they can't hit it, right? Don't go for it. If I look at my bench the other week with you, Dan, the one I failed three times, I was so exhausted. <laughs> um, dealing with failure for that was a big thing for me. One, I'm a PT at this gym. I was so embarrassed. because so I was like, wow, nobody's going to want to train with this guy. He's just failed his, his bench. Like, what a dickhead. <laughs> uh, and then by the end, like the whole gym knew about it and they were like watching. And I was like, Jesus, this one has to get up. Um, but I think you've also got to assess why you failed. So for me, <clears throat> I knew 95 on the bench was something I could get. I knew it was reasonable. It was totally within my grasp. The reason I was failing was because of form breakdowns that I wasn't concentrating on because I was so concentrated on the weight. So for me, it was like one of them, I totally lost leg drive. Right? One of them, I totally lost my bar path because I was just so focused on this is a really scary weight. And then for the second one, I was like, now everyone's watching and I failed this once. Like this is even scarier. By the third one, I was focused on just my form and getting that weight up and it moved. It moved really well. Um, so I knew that 95 was in my grasp. So I suppose there's assessing why you failed is important if you are going to fail. If you look at your failure and just go, wow, I failed because I was, wasn't strong enough or failed because it was a bad day. I think that's one way to deal with failure, but I think the better way to deal with failure is, you know, I record on my sets, watch why you failed, try to work out why, discuss with someone why you failed. For me, it was like Luke came and spoke to me about why, you know, I had an issue. He brought up my leg drive, stuff like that. So kind of like reaching out and finding out why you might've failed is important. But I agree with you, Michael, in saying that if you're training every week and you're failing every week, Maybe right. you should change the way you're training. Something's <laughs> got to change. For yeah, <laughs> like one. You're failing every week. Yeah, one. <laughs> your head's gonna be just not good. Um, no, but the counter that, I think it's really important that you're able to fail. Yeah, I think failing's part of the sport. You know, n- not even a sport. You know, if you're lifting and you've never pushed yourself to the point where yeah. you failed, and then maybe you decide I'm gonna enter a comp, and you maybe you miss your third squat, and then you're a wreck. Yeah, because you've never learned to deal with that feeling. I yeah. think I was discussing with you, Michael the other day when we're doing face pulls, how bad we are assessing when we're going to fail. I think a lot of people think they're going to fail far sooner than they actually will. Yeah. And it's kind of getting used to operating in that zone where it's like... Yeah, get them to do an AMRAP and you're like, oh, you actually have this much more. Yeah. (laughs) What did we do? 40 reps of face pulls? Yeah, and you were like, oh, you had a a set of 10. I had to... He comes over, I'm doing my warm-up set, so I'm like, put the weight up. And I was like, yeah, I got to hit this for like 12 reps. Like, how do you do face pulls? And he started doing, did like 40 reps. And I was like, well, I got to do 40 reps. Yeah, and he pumped out 40, 40 when he had 10s in his program. So I'm like, what are you doing? I took a five minute break. RPE negative 30. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it is like an idea. Like I think people, especially like more gen pop, really bad at assessing when failure is actually going to occur. Because they haven't gotten near actually failing yet. But there, there definitely, definitely is um, value in failing. Yeah. Um, that's Facts. when you know your weaknesses, you know <laughs> what you need to work on, um, things like that. Mm. And the more you fail, I guess, um, the more you learn to deal with it, mm. right? So you won't let it get to you emotionally. Um, but yeah, like we're all, we're, we're all kind of on the same page here. Just talking about different things a little bit. Yeah, and I won't even lie, like failing, oh, I failed the bench and my squat last week. And I was like, I didn't want to come back. I was like, I don't want to come to the gym today. Like this sucks. Did you so miss the day where I've dropped the bench on myself? Yes. Did you record what? it? Yeah. Yeah, I deleted <laughs> it straight away. <laughs> I got sort of caught on a hook and then I had 120 on there. I sort of launched it onto my belly. It just sort of got stuck there. Why did I not see this? Yeah, I know. Right? You got to like <laughs> airdrop this or something. 
Yeah, it was a little while ago. I'm his coach. Yeah, hey guys. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> it was before your time. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, so I put the hooks on wrong. It was stuck just above the um, the unrack. And I was just trying to yank it, trying to bring it out. And I've yanked it out. What was your thought process there? 120 kilos in the back. Yeah, I'll give it a yank. <laughs> because I couldn't get it back. It wouldn't move backwards. What the hell? I just sort of accepted I'm going to drop it. I thought, I'd rather drop it on my belly. <laughs> you already accepted his so death. What do I need to do? I guess. Ask Harry. Harry will tell you. I'm going to ask Harry. Yeah. yeah. Why did you delete it? We don't keep the failures. I keep all my failures. Yeah. I keep the two I posted my failure failures, and that man. is it. I reckon it's oh, good to keep it. <laughs> Was that your deadlift with bop, bop, Yeah, bop. I lost my voice for a week. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I posted my, I think, I think you gotta own your failures, especially as a PT. Like I was embarrassed, but I think it's important, you know, cause you have clients who fail and stuff. And I think if you can show that you failed too, and not that like I'm special, but I suppose you're their PT. And if, if you can show that you're comfortable with failure and it happens to people who train, especially cause like most of my clients are gen pop. All of my clients are gen pop, let's not lie here. All my clients are gen pop. <laughs> and I think it's important for them to know like, yeah, it happens. It's like, you just got to move on and accept it and work out why and work harder. Yeah. I tell my clients, yeah, fail now, never fail again. <laughs> Facts. Facts, bro. Wow. Damn, I know this is like a self-help Oh, uh, look, man, if you don't fail, you don't try. Yeah. The subtle art of not giving a fuck. <laughs> I tell you, fail now. <laughs> I had just one um, with Michael and... Which Michael? Oh, sorry. No, it's Michael <laughs> and MJ, bro. It's Michael, it's Michael and MJ. And MJ. Nah, Michael Wu and Merlin. Yeah. So you got one person who's been training for ages in powerlifting, one person who's been training for what, a year? Yeah. Less in powerlifting? Less year, yeah. So I'd say ages. You've been training a while, bro. Well, I've oh. been going to the gym for a while, but. But he would have a, you would have a better gauge of judging the RPE or failure yeah, than this sure. guy. Yeah, yeah. Like in two weeks' time, his fail, which he shouldn't have pushed towards, He's gonna get for like two, three reps. Facts. So you are. Yeah, facts. Well, I think <laughs> I like that's it. hear it now. That's where I'd be like, all right, never fail, because you, you don't have any too many novice clients, hey? Like novice, novice. Oh. Like they could fail one week and then two weeks later, they you and I definitely seven, have very eight reps. Yeah, we got very. We have very different, different yeah, I mean. client base. Yeah. On the lines of like, never fail in the gym. Like they learn how to push discomfort. Like they. There's a learning curve of discomfort pushing, which isn't even like a scientific thing. Mm. It's just like they're getting better at pushing themselves hard enough to get the rep done. Mm. But I don't think it's necessarily like detrimental fatigue to their training. Like, yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I think um, like a lot of times in my training, it's like, okay, let's say I got to work at RP6 or RP7. Um, maybe to a gen pop that's like, oh, RPE 6, I can like talk while I lift. It's, it's mm. easy. But for me, RPE 6 is freaking hard. Like, it's almost like um, the, the weight doesn't get easier. What you're doing doesn't get easier. You kind of just get better at doing mm. it. So it's kind of among those lines where like, yeah, I got like a top triple at 6 or 7, but you know, I'm not going to be talking during the lift. Like, I have to zone in. Like, RPE 6, six is still freaking hard. <laughs> Yeah. Right. But, you know, for someone who might not be used to pushing themselves in that way, they're like, they see like, oh, this is like, someone take the piss. Right. And they, you know, they're like, they're like looking off to the side or smiling or singing while they're lifting. Yeah, and it's like, 
okay, like <laughs> are you trying that hard? Yeah, probably not, right? So that's that's where a little bit it's a little bit different. Um, I guess with novice lifters, um, programming wise, I like to you know push them more. Like, mm. um, like for someone like Alex, I'm like, oh, the weight is. I'm not. I'm not calling You're you a novice. I'm not calling you a novice, like a novice, but I'm just saying like <laughs> individual I differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Novice, right? <laughs> I just a bully, Alex. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like. So you make the weight move really quick. It doesn't look like a struggle at all. Um, but because you're like, this is I don't want to do it for a long time. So <laughs> this, it, he never grinds a rep like in the last three weeks, four weeks. So I'm like, okay, we can probably maybe push, push his weight a bit more, right? Because he's just always going to complain anyways. Um, <laughs> but yeah, maybe for someone who, I don't know, uh, like for me, I, I probably only touch RP8 like, you know, once every you know, six to eight weeks because that's pretty hard shit for me. Mm. Um, but for a novice, you can get them to do RP8 stuff like yeah. every week. Mm. They'll be completely fine. I think if I go back to like my, my boxing days, one of my clients was like, bro, how are you so fit? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, bro, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I was like, there's a point where it goes past fitness and it's like, you get comfortable operating. Like Mike was saying, you're operating at a, a higher level where it's like, I'm tired. This is a grind, but this is how I'm operating. I think when it comes to a lot of people who are like, we're new to boxing, they get tired, they get puffed. like, that's me. That's me. That's I'm not going to. I'm going to finish this round real slow, like an RP six for Michael. He's working. Uh, I think it's like you get comfortable and used to operating under fatigue. I think that's part of it as well. Where it's like, this is meant to be hard, and we, we push. Mm. I think like when it came to box, I was I was exhausted. Like punching someone for three minutes is tiring. It's fun, but it's tiring. And it's like you just you keep pushing. You go past that. And I think part of it's mental, part of it's physical. You your body gets used to operating at a higher level of fatigue. And the part of it's mental. It's like, yeah, I'm tired, but I can keep going. Yeah. I can keep going, I can keep going, I can keep going. And uh, we were talking about like, when do you stop? When's form breakdown, right? It's like when, I think I was discussing with Luke when it came to accessories, it's like, how fast should you push them? And Luke's like, and what is failure, right? So for Luke, it was like, as soon as that form starts to break down, that's failure. If you're cheating reps, you failed at that point. So yep. that's where you stop, yep. right? Now there's reasons to cheat reps when it comes to other things. But if you're working... Failure is when that form starts to break down. As soon as that breakdown happens, that's failure. Even though you're exhausted before that, if you're still pumping reps, you haven't failed yet, you're not done yet. When that form breaks down, you're finished. So I think it's recognizing I'm fatigued, but I can keep pushing until there is a failure. Yeah. With certain things, don't like fail your squat <laughs> and then go, all right, we're done here. Like <laughs> you're doing a bicep curl, then you can wait and go to a failure. Yeah, um, I think it's just accepting that it is hard. Yeah. You know, that's so hard for a lot of gen pop people to come to terms with that yeah this is gonna suck but i can do it mm. yeah well after years of operating under a point of discomfort michael like you're like this is the, the way we operate i am uncomfortable but that's like i want to be uncomfortable that's where I am if i'm comfortable i'm not working exactly i used to say to my clients like you ain't training if it isn't hard like if it's easy you're like, what are you doing yeah what are you doing yeah, if well, it's easy no nah, mine complain that it's heavier so it's like, good thing you're strong yeah <laughs> Yeah, bro, pendulum squats aren't meant to be easy. Yeah, if they're easy, what are you doing there? Yeah, bro. <laughs> cough, cough, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> this is just like personal nah, you, you're doing a lot better now. You're doing a lot better. I'm not happy about You're doing it. a lot better now. I'm not happy about it. Let <laughs> yeah, me just put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I got to do four sets of pendulums. Of 12s. Yeah, well, 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 this guy, um, <laughs> like week one, he, he was pendulum. He was doing like 10 kilos. 
That's what Saranya was doing. That's what I told him. I was like, you scored double her weight, right? So I'm like, I, I actually had to write numbers for him. To well, do, because week two, right? so I was pushing 30s and stuff. So. By 1.25 kilos. Yeah, he took a 1.25 <laughs> kilo jump on Pendulum. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, here's Alex. the 10 kilo jump, right? Like, come, come on. on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he used a fucking micro plate for a <laughs> like, who, who does that? Like, who, who does that? <laughs> I think about like, if I pull it back to Alyssa again, She's been training for a while. It's not like she's new to the gym. She's been training. Um, and I've given her a new program. And it's very different what she was doing. It's higher, higher volume. Like you said, like with more gym pop, you can kind of push them. And she told me what her weights were at. And I looked at what she was doing with her prior trainer. And I was like, oh, this weight should be no problem for her. Gave her eight reps. And like, we got to four and she's like, can we stop? And I was like, nah, keep going. It's because she wasn't used to training like that. And it's like, she got, and, and mind you, she was tired. Don't get me wrong, she'd been working hard, but it's like, you can push more. And it was something she hadn't really done to that extent before. And part of it was gym fitness. She'd been off for a little while. But I think now that she's getting to the swing of it, like she's doing a lot better. And it's like, now now you're strong. Now you're pushing yourself a bit. Let me just say, as her cousin, reps are not in her blood. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> what? Did you just ask if they're actually cousins? Not, we're not. Alyssa and him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's Nicola's cousin. I think he's Alyssa's cousin. Um, but yeah, it was like I'd given her a very different program than what she was used to. And, and Gita, like Jasmine, was the same. Whereas I've given her higher reps than what she was doing before. Yeah. And she's like, I don't like this. And I was like, no, I know. But this is like, we're doing it not because you're meant to be like, <laughs> that was fun to the next one. It was like, you're meant to work. Yeah. That's when you'll see the improvements. If you're just cruising through it, you're not going to see the improvements. Yeah. We do have to wrap it up soon. But that MJ. <laughs> One last question on the pump. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask it at the what start. Is it? What is it? So, do you actually think that there's something going on in your body to give you <laughs> too much of a pump? Like, oh, 100%. There what? is? Dude, yeah. your legs Explain. are ridiculous. Huh? Explain. La- last question. Explain. What happens when you do like one set of warm up to the oh, bar? Warm up. I-, I feel it straight away. <laughs> um, first working set, top set, whatever. Can we just back to our feel what? Can we just explain? Nah, man, I trained. MJ once and he's like, bro, feel my legs. It was like touching actual rocks. Yeah. The pump this guy gets is, is <laughs> not human. I think I'm yeah, not joking. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might because my whole life I was training um, just to like build muscle, not really like get strong, strong. Uh, you can see like some people are really strong, but they don't look like they lift, right? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Callum. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's cool. But most of my life, I guess it was just because I was just trying to build muscle and just look big instead of get the pump. So now when I lift these heavy weights, I'm like, these damn legs, they're going to let me down. But it feels good. Oh, yeah. Like my favorite memory of you at the gym was when we were doing that leg day. We had pendulums. Oh, And you yeah. were like, I haven't got this set, bro. And I was like, yeah, you do, man. Of course you do. I, I told Brad you. Brad Dan and I turn around for one sec. We hear this noise. I look over. His oh, legs are in the air. <laughs> I, <laughs> fell, uh, I was like, I can't. I couldn't bend my legs anymore. <laughs> He'd fallen yeah. off the pendulum. <laughs> yeah. I was like, was shit, bad, he wasn't bad. kidding. <laughs> if you're going to make a scene, do it right. Thanks. So good. He was like, I turned around, you're like, see, I told you. <laughs> I told you, I, I wasn't lying. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks to anyone who's listening still to this point. It's been great. It's been good fun. Thanks for everyone for spending your time, coming on the podcast, sharing some knowledge. It was great. Thank you. Use code UHP15. Coach Alex Chicka on Instagram. Eat MJ, eat MJ. <laughs> And Michael.
Nah, I don't need a following. It's all good. <laughs> I need a following. I got to get my clients. <laughs> Guys, it's Coach Merlin. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Fucking hell. That was a quick hour. Bro, those headphones like crushed.